Welcome to the After Hours Alternative, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Simply go to www.anchor.fm slash Jalal Kesar. You were listening to my vocal warm-up, something that I've never done in my entire life. However, the more that life goes on, I realize that, as Robin Sharma puts it, the secret of epic performers must lie in their daily rituals. Robin Sharma talks about something called the victim-to-icon spectrum. And it's interesting because what Robin Sharma calls a victim is somebody that we would consider to be a successful person, somebody to aspire to. However, Robin Sharma contends that such a person is still a victim of their own circumstances, of their own beliefs, even if they're favorable. We see this especially in children and students. We see that children who are led to believe that they're talented or skilled and that they didn't need to try hard, never tried hard, never learned how to learn, never learned how to deal with failure, never learned how to cope effectively with unseen, unforeseen problems. And so students who did well in O levels might fuck up their A levels. Students who were good up until A levels might not learn how to cope with the freedom that they see in university and biggest of all a lot of people simply don't know how to deal with real life and this is perhaps the most common because you see all, all these memes about adulting it's as Russell Brand says unless you're working your conscious system you will be worked by your unconscious system so yeah read about the victim to icon spectrum by robin sharma it's a it's a wonderful place to start from it's a good thing to install in yourself as the fundamental because again as robin sharma puts it success lies in a masterful consistency around the fundamentals the problem in this situation as it is in most situations lies in the fact that a lot of us do not start from an organic place do not realize why we're doing or why we must do so many of the things that we're doing there is no introspection there is no retrospection there is no real meaning to life which is a great way to segue into what we're going to be discussing this episode i've been talking about it for a couple of weeks the book man's search for meaning by victor e frankel a holocaust survivor who then came up with the school of logotherapy logotherapy means therapy that revolves around finding one's meaning in life however let's not get too excited let's talk about the theme song first guys i need your help i'm running into sort of a problem i want to keep switching up the music even though the music we have right now our original theme song by asad mustafa is absolutely beautiful but i'm not always feeling it however like i'm afraid of like copyright shit you you, you barely can't play those songs in podcasts i thought about singing myself and i was gonna but i'm i'm under i'm under the moon with my allergies right now and so there's just like a nasal touch to my voice the best i can do right now is like a kumar sanu impersonation <laughs> you know the guy who sang tujhe dekha tujhe jana sunam with the how weird would this show be if i started it off like Welcome to the no let me do this properly. Welcome to the After Hours Alternative. My name is Jalal Kasir. You don't know me but that's okay. We're friends now. Dil kehta hai Jalal se mile uthte hi kadam ruk jaate hain. Today we're going to be talking about the Holocaust and its implication for Muslims in the 20th. <laughs> 
that would make sense given how much whiplash we have in this show with how topics change and how jokes come up that would be fun but no let's not do that let's 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 start this off properly my name is Jalal Kaise you don't know me but that's okay we're friends now होलोकास्ट the testament to the strength of the human spirit the proof of the power of love all overwhelming feelings and concepts the book doesn't focus on being a historical retelling of the horrors of the holocaust but it does make you think about the fact that still there are people who exist as holocaust deniers or people who downplay the importance of it i mean Do I start by talking about how Holocaust denying is a thing still? About how ignorance is still a crutch of the times? Let me talk about this first, I guess, because it it really weirded me out how in Pakistan looking at injustices in the face we could defend the horrors that were perpetuated on those millions of people how can we being a muslim nation still feel this way giving power to the very atrocity that has been committed by downplaying its very existence allow me while again i started reading his persian works now and he says mar az halalo chale pa zigar ne desham कि फितना दिगरे दर जमीर आयाम अस्त आई एम नो लॉन्गर कंसर्न अबाउट द क्रेसेंट एंड द क्रॉस फॉर द वोम ऑफ टाइम कैर इज एन आइडिया ऑफ अ डिफरेंट काइंड आई डेंट लॉर्ड अबाउट हाउ अलामा इकबाल बिलीव्ड इन द टॉलरेंस दैट मस्ट बी इन इन किनशिप दैट मस्ट बी द ड्राइविंग फोर्स बिहाइंड द प्रोग्रेस दैट मस्ट बी टेकन इन द ट्वेंटी सेंचुरी Wow, he was talking about the 20th century fuck. It's amazing because I talked about this in the last episode about how I believe there's just good people, bad people period. And then I read this book and this dude says the same thing. 
After this whole, like, this comes at page 86 after he's given a description of the fucking evil that pervaded the camp guards and even the prisoners. He says, from all this, we may learn that there are two races of men in this world, but only these two, the race of the decent men and the race of the indecent men. Both are found everywhere. They penetrate into all groups of society. No group consists entirely of decent or indecent people. In this sense, no group is of pure race, and therefore one occasionally found a decent fellow among the camp guards. Life in a concentration camp tore open the human soul and exposed its depths. It is surprising that in those depths we again found only human qualities which in their very nature were a mixture of good and evil. The rift dividing good from evil, which goes through all human beings, reaches into the lowest depths and becomes apparent even on the bottom of the abyss which is laid open by the concentration camp. It's not about the specifics, the rigidness, the labels, the rules, the instructions, the proper procedure. In fact, it's, it's the proper procedure, it's the bureaucracy, it's, it's, it's an unmoving, ununderstanding belief in rules that has led to the greater evils of the world, that still, in all the atrocities being committed, I was going to say in America, but then I realized that a few days ago, what happened at an Ahmadi mosque in Pakistan, you realize that this isn't about God. This isn't about money. This isn't about anything other than the human will to power, the human will to evil, the human will to goodness. Baki sara sirf means to an end. Baki sara sirf bahana. I did talk about this more in the previous episode, so if you haven't listened, it's, it's a good idea to go do that. I, I, I went online to search for an answer as to how, how Holocaust denying can even be a thing. Not Holocaust denying, any denying of any sort, the denial of the, of the Shia genocide in Pakistan, the denial of the rift between sects in Pakistan, the denial of racism, sexism, evil in the system, the, 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 the evil in the school system, the evil in universities, how we can close our eyes to these things. And then it led me to believe, to just to think about conspiracy theories. There's a fucking conspiracy theory that says that Australia doesn't exist. How? My concern isn't with the fact that these things, like, I can't chalk it up to, okay, that's just stupid, fuck it. I won't know how it's possible. And... There's this thing I do on my Facebook. I post statuses that I call hashtag internet comments wisdom. And today in internet comments wisdom, I read a comment that says, I feel this goes for pretty much all of the major social conflicts right now. This person is relating Holocaust denying to what's going on right now. Access to information online has shown everyone that the world is far, far more complex than they might have originally thought. For some, particularly those who build their identity around their intelligence, it seems to be easier to just disregard all of that scary information and then to cover it with all kinds of bullshit to explain why they are trying to blind the sheeple with all these, to them, incomprehensible facts and ideas and truths. 
while talking about his school of thought, the school of psychology that he fostered called logotherapy. Logos being a Greek word which denotes meaning. Logotherapy focuses on the meaning of human existence as well as on man's search for such a meaning. According to logotherapy, the striving to find a meaning in one's life is the primary motivational force in man. Now, Victor E. Frankl says, man's search for meaning is the primary motivation in his life and not a secondary realization of his instinctual drives. This is not something that we must discover in our downtimes. This isn't something that we must relegate for when we retire and when we're 40 and when we're facing our midlife crises, for when we're facing uh, the mid-afternoon depression, for when we're facing the Sunday neurosis. But in fact, it is something that must be the primary motivation in our lives. That must be realized as the primary motivation in our life because beneath it all, it is. And thus, it becomes important to see where you fall first and foremost. We're given opportunities again and again in life in the guise of failure, in, in the face of heartbreak, in the excuse of loss, if anything, whether within or without excuses to bring us back to the fact that the first and foremost duty that we have is the will to meaning as opposed to the will to power or will to pleasure. Everything else can be replaced. Everything else is bottomless and endless. And yet the search for meaning is self-sustaining. It is endless, but it's endless in a way that will serve both pleasure and power. Victor, who was imprisoned in concentration camps and later, after liberation, continued work again as a doctor, as a psychologist, as a psychotherapist, talks about when an American official came to him in his clinic. A high-ranking American diplomat came to my office in Vienna in order to continue psychoanalytic treatment which he had begun five years previously with an analyst in New York. It turns out that the patient was discontented with his career and found it most difficult to comply with American foreign policy. Now the psychologist that he had uh, consulted before had told him again and again that he should try to reconcile himself with his father because the government of the US as well as superiors were nothing but father images and consequently because of his daddy issues his dissatisfaction with his job was due to the hatred he unconsciously harbored towards his father. Now through an analysis lasting five years this man convinced himself of the fact that this was the problem with him and for five years he tried to be at peace with his daddy issues and all of this to no, ex to no end. Victor, however, said that it was clear after a few interviews that his will to meaning was frustrated by his job and he actually longed to be engaged in some other kind of work. He said that he had no reason for not giving up his profession. He had nothing to lose. He said, well, do something else that you want to do with the most gratifying result. At the time of writing, he had remained contented in this new occupation for over five years. Victor says that he doubted that he was dealing with the neurotic condition at all. That this man actually, even to begin with, had any depression or nihilism or any of that shit. He was simply in the wrong profession and he wasn't realizing it. It was simply not fulfilling his meaning to life without realizing. He did not need any psychotherapy, nor even any logotherapy, for the simple reason that he was not actually a patient. I invite you to think about this for yourself.
Well, we might have a plethora of problems, a plethora of things that we might look towards in our childhood, in our friends, in our lives. It might be that that conflict is simply the conflict that is healthy and normal. In The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, Mark Manson makes the case for this. In this book, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor e. Frankl makes the case for this. In numerous poems, in numerous articles, in numerous speeches, Lamech Wal makes the case for this. A certain amount of tension and conflict has to exist. Without this, man would be nothing. These are not the things that we must be looking towards fighting. Existential frustration is in, it, is in itself neither pathological nor pathogenic. A man's concern, even a man's despair over his worthwhileness of his life is an, extens- is an existential distress but by no means a mental disease. Integrating the task, the assignment is that of assisting the patient to find meaning in his life. We must be made aware of the hidden logos, the hidden meaning of his existence, as it is an analytical process. Not gratification, not satisfaction, not gratisfaction, not the id, the ego, the superego, our drives, our instincts. These things become secondary to the primary thing, which is the search for meaning, the will to meaning. I want to relate this to our current generation through the example of the Holocaust. Linkin Park in one of their songs say, We are the fortunate ones who have never faced oppression's gun, imitations of rebellion. It is through these stories, through these examples that we must learn to be thankful for our lives, that we must learn how to deal with our problems. Everything that has happened up until now in this world can serve as something for you. If you look at them from a vision that is connected, a vision with depth, a vision with a world meaning. Again, I'm interrupting myself. I've, I, uh, this is something that I say to a lot of friends and I hope I've said this on this podcast before. It is enough to want to be better and in fact it is the first step of doing it. The things that I've been through in my life, the fact that I can't talk about them, the fact that I keep deleting mentions of my suicide attempt time and time again from this podcast because I feel like it's too dark to talk about. The reason that it's too personal to talk about, yeah. I don't look at these things as something that gives me some sort of... Like, I don't deserve a fucking medal for it. However, I do want to tell people about these things about how their situations can be related to my struggles, about how all these struggles are interconnected, and how the one thing that has saved me time and time again, except for sheer dumb luck and the love of people, the best people that surround me, is the one thing that was simply a reason, a need to be better, even at my worst of times, a belief, okay, let's look for something better. Let's look for something that's more beautiful than this shit. Like, this shit is just boring, annoying, base, terrible, rubber clown suit of negativity. This is just filled with fucking shouting, anger, hate, drugs, fucking chain smoking, worst things, worst 
one abusive relationship after one another, 40 years of bad managers, shouting at your kids at the supermarket, holding on towards religion as a crutch just to justify your hate, right? All of that sort of thing. And a yearning to just be better, a yearning to look at the sky, to be caught by the rain at a time when I'm untethered from everything else, at a time of heartbreak, at a time of failure, to step out into the sunshine and feel the wind and and wonder, hey, nature isn't giving me hate. Nature isn't giving me hopelessness. Nature is giving me a message that the sun rises again and again and again and again and again. No matter what the fuck happened in the previous day, the sun rises in the same glory that it did before. No matter what storms were there, no matter what evil man perpetrated, no matter what happened at Auschwitz, I don't know how to pronounce Auschwitz, the concentration camp, no matter what Trump is doing, no matter what Nawaz Sharif is doing, these things still keep happening again and again and again. You can wake up at 5 a.m. And again, do not realize that we're the ones who want to be free, who yearn to be free, who yearn to have meaning in our lives. This episode is a really exciting one for me because I want this to be a culmination of all the ideas that I've talked about previously. The simple things that I've talked about, the people who want to be sexist, the people who want to hate on people in relationships, the people who want to hate on Imran Khan for being happy, for being educated, for having wives. I contend that this frustration simply comes about from a frustration of not having a clear vision yourself. A lot, a lot of things that Lama Iqbal says. Lama Iqbal says, Dil so se khali hai. There is no tension in your heart. Dil-so-se-khali-hai-nige-paak-nahi-hai-nige-paak-nahi-hai-nige-paak-nahi-hai-nige-paak-nahi-hai-nige-paak-nahi-hai-nige-paak-nahi-hai-nige-paak-nah
I used to look at people and I used to realize that these things just serve to make them more happier. They serve to make them bigger. And I can't believe that I can be one of those people again. It's simply because of the well demeaning. By disconnecting from the notion, by realizing that these external drives and instincts, ego, and superego, satisfaction, gratification, these things are nothing except connected to one seed or to one higher goal. You will be happy when you realize that none of these things exist on their own. All of this exists as one thing, which is you. I've mentioned this before and I will talk about this in great detail inshallah in my next episode which will be the rules of you in that you are like a universe and there are these rules that you must know and learn about yourself. When you realize this you can go from failure to failure without any lack of energy, without any loss of passion, without losing your enthusiasm which is what success is, which is what perseverance is. It is in this way that you will be able to find meaning again and again and again and again. Because you will be exercising that muscle in your mind. And soon you will have that superpower, you will have that source within yourself that you can tap into. Soon your mind will be accustomed to doing this. We get so used to being annoyed, we get so used to being uh, angry. You know how they say that the smile has less muscles to move than the amount of muscles that it takes to frown and yet it's easier for us to frown than it is for us to smile in myself after long periods of time long periods of dormancy long long periods of being disconnected from myself i used to realize that i simply forgotten how to smile that i couldn't that it was as hard for me to smile as it was for me to lift like 10 kilograms of weight and yet it was easier for me to keep frowning. This is troubling. This is not ideal. This is not optimal. Life, as Victor says, ultimately means taking the responsibility to find the right answer to its problems and to fulfill the tasks which it constantly sets for each individual. Victor says, as we said before, any attempt to restore man's inner strength in the concentration camp had first to succeed in showing him some future goal. Nietzsche's words, he who has a why to live for can be here with almost anyhow, could be the guiding motto for all efforts regarding prisoners. What was really needed was a fundamental change in our attitude toward life. We had to learn ourselves and, furthermore, we had to teach the despairing man that it did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. We needed to stop asking about the meaning of life and instead to think of ourselves as those who were being questioned by life, daily and hourly. Our answer must not consist, not in talk and meditation, but in right action and in right conduct. Life ultimately means taking the responsibility to find the right answer to its problems and fulfill the tasks which it, which it consistently sets for each individual. These tasks and therefore the meaning of life differ from man to man and from moment to moment. Thus it is impossible to define the meaning of life in a general way. 
I keep going back to the first time when I realized that a friend of mine asked me and he said, Oh, Jalal, yaar, there should be another flood. This is what a lot of Muslims, Hindu, Buddhists, Christians, this is what derives all of the terrorism and all of the hatred in this world. A self-hatred, a self-belief that man does not need to go on. And this is why people are like, This is what drives suicide bombing. In the last episode, I talked about cults. Read about any cult. Read about that Jonestown cult. Read about the cult that was uh, the Haley's Comet cult. The Heaven's Gate cult. And the more that you will read about them, the more that you will read about their beliefs that, Oh God, picked us out for this big task. God told us that we must take humanity into the next phase of ultimate spirituality. In each of them, you will find, the more that you will read about them, you will find one sentence, one, just one sentence, in which the leader of the cults will say, you know, in between all their lofty ideas of, oh, the world is a fuck, we are the saviors, we must do this, we, we know, we are the defenders of the faith, there will be this one thing that you will realize that it was coming in many cases from a specific depression in the leaders of the cult, from a death of their wives, from the death of their child, and from a belief that the world is cruel and unforgiving. And so you will realize that their beliefs aren't beliefs of some lofty goal, but that they're not any different from any man who just wants to fucking kill himself because he has nothing to live for. Like, I don't remember the exact quote, but in between all of their, like, higher spiritual purpose and we are ascending into the next level of humanity and we must do this and that, one of their leaders ultimately, like, before dying, said, the truth is that the world is just a very cold and uncaring place. Now, this is just one sentence that is said in between tons and tons of literature that has been written and collected about the group but this is the one thing that you realize that it's not about their religion it's not about their belief it's not about anything it's just about the fact that it's depression that is leading them it's just about the fact that there is no that there is a lack of meaning to their life and they can simply fill that void it's with the easiest thing that there is hey there is no meaning hey i have to do nothing we can cover it up with this as much as we want, however the truth still remains. You have to realize that Yesara Kochusari Bate the bigger that you want to make the tree, still it's still all about the roots. Again, conscious system versus unconscious system. There is nothing else to do, there is no point of a lot of things unless you're aware of why they're happening and what you must do to curve them, to control them, to end them, to start them. And again, if you don't have the time, if you don't have the will, the next time life gives you the opportunity in the form of something that it was unexpected, something that was a failure, something that was heartbreaking, something that caused you a loss, take a moment, take a moment to pause and think back 
not on what happened but how it fits in to the larger meaning of who you are what you do and how you do it azam akbal says khuda tujhe kisi toofan se aashna kar de ki tere behar ke mauzon mein zarab nahi between stimulus and response lies a space in that space lies our freedom and power to choose a response in our response lies our growth and our happiness.